Welcome to the Candida Chronicles with our host, Michael Biamonte, Certified Clinical Nutritionist. In this podcast, Michael will answer your questions and reveal the shocking truth that the cause of most chronic ailments is not what you've been told. The source is Candida, a yeast overgrowth which, when it becomes systemic, can cause all sorts of seemingly unrelated ailments such as chronic fatigue syndrome and even weight gain. For more information on how Michael can help you, please visit healthtruth.com, that's health-truth.com, or phone his office at 212-587-2330. And now, without further ado, Michael Biamonte. That's a wrap for... This is Michael Biamonte, clinical nutritionist, with another episode of the Candida Chronicles. Today we are doing, um, I consider, to be a very offbeat type of uh, topic. We're going to discuss how to tell if another friend or relative, as an example, has a Candida infection. Uh, this, for, for most of you who listen regularly on the broadcast, you may conclude this is a kind of a dubious topic, but there's actually some uh, interest here and some insight to be gained if you think about it for a second. Because if you can tell symptomatically and by someone's history if they have a high probability of candida, uh, this could be applied to anyone, including you out there. All right, so let's say you're, you're at a family gathering and you're considering some of the people about you, and you're wondering, well, my God, I wonder if Uncle Joe has candida, let's say, as an example. Well, the first thing that you would really want to consider is Uncle Joe's medical history. Because to first go by symptoms and your own observation, that could be a bit unfair because, as we all know, there are multiple conditions and multiple situations which could cause some of the symptoms of candida. So first thing that we would want to look at is Uncle Joe's medical history. Has Uncle Joe been on antibiotic treatments frequently? Since we know antibiotics are a key root or a key cause of chronic candidiasis, that would be a initial situation to contemplate. Has Uncle Joe been on steroids? Has he been on prednisone, cortisone? Are there any hormonal preparations that Uncle Joe has taken? Do we know that Uncle Joe has had any particular surgery or treatments to his digestive system, his, his colon, his small intestine, his stomach. If Uncle Joe has a history of having procedures done to his digestive tract, the trauma alone that the digestive tract receives when there is some type of harsh procedure or some surgery is enough to disturb your friendly bacteria and then allow candida to overgrow. 
Always remember, folks, that the model of candida overgrowth always begins with something that disturbs the natural and normal flora in the intestinal tract. Something occurs to disturb that those probiotics that are living there and that are dominant. And this is where the model of the antibiotic use always comes in. Why antibiotic use is always the suspected cause is because antibiotics have the easiest time and the greatest probability in destroying your friendly bacteria in the intestinal tract and then giving rise to candida overgrowth. So this would be our first question as regards Uncle Joe. Has Uncle Joe taken antibiotics frequently? Not just once or twice, but is it, has it been frequent? Or has he had any medication which is known to cause candida? We mentioned a few before. One that I did not mention was antacids. Has Uncle Joe been a Rolaid user or a Tums user? Is there any family joke about Uncle Joe experiencing flatulence? Because that's often a great tip-off. This is where these idiosyncrasies of our individual family sometimes could pay off if you're investigating in this manner. If Uncle Joe has a history of being a gaseous person, well, that is heavy physical evidence right there as we start to look at physical evidence that he may have this problem. So once we've considered the medical history and the drug history of Uncle Joe, we start looking at, sim at symptoms. If, if you can conclude that Uncle Joe has taken enough medications that might have prompted candida, you can take the situation a bit more seriously when you then look at his symptoms. First symptoms you would always want to look at would be digestive. Does he have digestive complaints? Is he a burper? As I said earlier, is he a flatulence person? Has Uncle Joe been known to clear a room when he's having difficulties? So these uh, two instances, of course, of belching, burping, bloating, and flatulence are indications of fermentation taking place in your digestive tract. Uh, fermentation taking place where it's noticeable to others and this would be a strong possible indicator that Uncle Joe has candida. Let's look at other attributes of Uncle Joe. What does he tend to crave? Is Uncle Joe a beer drinker? At family gatherings, is he always the one who's drinking the beer? Does he have a reputation, perhaps, for drinking beer? Does he crave sweets? Craving sweets or alcohol would be a big indication of someone having candida. Does Uncle Joe perhaps have any chronic rashes that you've ever observed? Now keep in mind, he doesn't necessarily have to have uh, some of these conditions in present time. These could be things that occur transiently. As an ex best example I would give with that is the rash. Does Uncle, does Uncle Joe now or at any time have any type of noticeable inflammation rash on his skin? Look at what type of illnesses Uncle Joe suffers with now. Is he arthritic? If Uncle Joe is very flatulent, 
if he's arthritic at the same time, if he tends to crave sweets, crave alcohol or beer, I would say you've got a very good argument that Uncle Joe may have candida because those are some very uh, convincing symptoms right there. You have some of the major tendencies and symptoms of candida right there. Now let's look at Aunt Mimi as an example now. Our fictitious Aunt Mimi, does she have any history, like Uncle Joe, of digestive problems, cravings for sweets, breads? And with Aunt Mimi, because Aunt Mimi is a female, we have another dimension to look at. How has Aunt Mimi's menstrual cycle been? Is Aunt Mimi the one who has a reputation in the family of having the violent or the severe PMS? Because with Candida, you will have a greater chance of more of an inflammatory and reactive PMS, where not only is the person going to be, their personality going to greatly alter with the PMS, but they're going to manifest symptoms of heavy, let's say, sweet cravings, bread cravings during their menstrual cycle they're going to have a more difficult menstrual cycle. So Aunt Mimi may be the one who wasn't able to attend certain family functions because her little visitor came at that point in the month and the PMS was just so overwhelming she couldn't handle it. Looking at Aunt Mimi's uh, menstrual cycle history, besides the PMS being severe, was it was the menstrual cycle very irregular? Did she have difficulty conceiving? Be another indication of the presence of candida. Has Aunt Mimi suffered with vaginal yeast infections? Now there is one Uncle Joe is not going to have. Uh, now in all fairness to Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe may have suffered with groin in, in, uh, yeast infections which I'm sure the family could have come up with a lot of colorful names to uh, describe. Uh, but he would not have a vaginal yeast infection, and the vaginal yeast infection, of course, has its own connotation. So this would be a key with Aunt Mimi, is to find out if she's had chronic yeast infections. If she's had, of course, that dramatically increases the possibility. In either Uncle Joe or Aunt Mimi, it would be interesting to note if there are any food allergies or foods they're intolerant of. Also, are there any chemical odors or environmental conditions that they're intolerant of? Do both complain of very bad time with cigarette smoke? Do they complain about exposure to environmental cleansers, bleach, Windex, uh, air fresheners of a, of a chemical and, of course, artificial nature. It's known, obviously, that patients with chronic candidiasis can't tolerate these chemical factors. So these right here would be a very good set of guidelines to go by in your investigation of Uncle Joe and Aunt Mimi to see whether or not the possibility could be there that they may have candidiasis.
looking first at medical history to see if there is a high probability due to them taking medications or having been exposed to procedures that may cause an overgrowth of candida. How is their digestive system? Are they known, do they have a reputation for digestive difficulties? Do they have a tendency towards rashes? Do they have a tendency towards problems with immune system and particularly autoimmune conditions? So here we're looking at their immune history. When the case of Aunt Mimi, do they have the tendency towards vaginal yeast infections? And we'll again look at their energy levels. How, how are they in terms of getting along in life and getting things done? Or do they have a, a major deficit in being able to accomplish things because of energy problems? Now, if you, if you folks remember the podcast we did last Friday, where we talked about the different levels of candida. This aligns directly um, uh, with the levels of candida, because as, as you remember in that podcast, for those of you who didn't hear it, you can always go to the website and listen to it because it is recorded and presented there for you to hear anytime you'd like. In the, but in going over the different levels of candida, we did go through the four to five different levels, which essentially are depicted right here in this analysis that I'm giving you of these fictitious people. We have digestive problems. We have problems manifesting with, that, with the energy. We have problems manifesting perhaps with skin issues. Then we have the autoimmune issues. And then we have in the last level or phase of candida, the person having such extreme fatigue that they really can't function in life. So, of course, you're not uh, in the position to test Aunt, Aunt Mimi or Uncle Joe in this case, but uh, you certainly can come up with a good probability that they may have the condition if you go through this type of thought process and looking at them. Now, the most difficult thing, in my opinion, is what do you then do with this information? It's, I don't think it's going to be necessarily a very welcomed uh, situation for you to just waltz up to them and start telling them that they have this illness. You're not likely to be received very well. The wisest thing to do in this case, and this is from my experience... And I've been, since I've been doing this since uh, about 1983 or 1984 or so, I would say I have some, some experience here to share. The wisest thing to do is give them things to read about the condition so they can come up with their own conclusion or have their own realization slash cognition on themselves. This is a very typical thing that we hear from patients. Patients will tell us that um, I've got this friend or I have this relative and I know she's got this too or he has this too because they have every single symptom like I do, only they're even worse and they're completely in denial about it whenever I try to 
bring the issue up and try to enlighten them? Well, it's because this, uh, regardless of your intentions, there is going to be the tendency for the person to be felt as though they're being made wrong or they're being negated somehow. When you, when you come after them and it's your own origination, in order to try to enlighten them to what's wrong with them, it's generally not going to be received. The person's not ready to receive this information. It's a bit of a different story if the person pursues you as someone who has experience or some type of knowledge in this area where they don't, and they want to get opinion or information from you as far as this possible condition affecting them, that's quite different because they are the ones reaching to you. When you're the one reaching to them, it looks a little bit more like you're imposing this information on them when they're not particularly ready to receive it or may not be ready to look at this possibility. So the best ca case scenario that you have would be to supply them with information on Candida. Certainly you could direct them to my website. They can listen to any of these podcasts, um, read any of the articles there. There's more than enough information. I think one of our web people had determined that there was about over 116 hours worth of information on our website when you combine videos, podcasts, reading material. So there's a wealth of information. Have them or invite them to review this information, not for them, but for you. You could approach them and say, dear, you know, Uncle Joe, I'm concerned that I have this condition. I'd like you to read something about it. Tell me what you think. Here you're putting them in a position where they're being made important because you're asking for their consultation. You're asking for their advice. And you're not putting them, particularly on the skewer, and making them wrong about something. From a third-party standpoint, in a sense, you are engaging them to look at something for the benefit of another. You're not introverting them with, you know, Uncle Joe, the reason you fart all the time and scare the neighbors away is because you have this condition, Candida, and you, and you must have gotten it years ago with all those antibiotics and those cigars you always smoke and on and on like this. That's not really the way to build uh, any kind of affinity or reality or communication with, with a person. That's just inviting them to be feel be like they're being made wrong and they're just going to naturally rebuke anything you say at that point but if you enlist them in taking a look at this data so that they could give you their opinion because it's a concern to you not about them but about you yourself or another see as long as you don't uh overwhelm them or impose the information on them. That's the whole point. You could say it's for you, it's for someone else, but you want to engage them to look at the material. And the odds are, is uh, even if they do have this condition and you're correct, odds are when they review this information, they're not going to necessarily own up to it 
or they're not going to originate to you that, oh my God, you know, I think I have this too. That's unlikely to happen at that point. You're probably looking at a few weeks or a few months passing. Now, if they're, uh, the more aware they are of themselves and of their environment, the more the things that they read, they will be able to align and they'll be able to recognize that these are things happening in their own body, in their own universe. At that point, the better they are at self-examination, and I don't mean that in a physical sense, I mean that more in the philosophical sense. If they're uh, uh, able uh, to, of uh, self-examination and to take stock in what's happening with their own health and, and be honest with themselves, very, very easily in a few weeks they may continue to read this material you gave them or they may revisit it themselves on their own computer and at some point they may start to concede that maybe they do have this problem. But it's not going to happen initially. So the first thing that I would like you to understand is the odds of them copying to having this condition based on your diagnosis initially is about a million to one. If it happens at all, it's going to be something that happens gradually over a period of weeks and months as they themselves become more familiar and as they themselves become more acceptable or accepted, let's say, that they could have this condition. But in the long run, better, better in a few weeks or a few months than never. Because if you, did never, if you did not ever intervene at all and ever give them a chance to look at this material and the opportunity for them to have their own realization, again, slash cognition, that indeed they may have this problem and this has their, been their difficulty and why things have been hard for them, they would have never had a chance. You're, you are giving them an opportunity. It's a more a matter of you, you see, becoming acquainted with and having expectation to what their communication lag will be in the acceptance of this material. And that's sort of the bottom line as far as where you're going to be at this. You're, you're being a nice enough guy in presenting this to them under the guise of their opinion because it may be happening to you or to someone you know. So you're not making them wrong with the material. You're giving them the opportunity to look, ingest it, and consider it. Whether or not they have their cognition and realization that this is indeed affecting them too, that's, that's up to them. That's their own ethics, and ethics are a personal matter. So it's going to be up to them to see if they are going to be able to accept the fact this is a possibility which may be happening to them. Now, some, sometimes people have symptoms occurring which they're completely at home with because the symptoms have been so long that they think it's normal for them. This is the, uh, an amazing thing you run into as a doctor or a health practitioner as the person will come to you and they'll sit down and they're gonna, they'll tell you about the chronic sinus problem they have and then you're observing them and you're going to ask them about the rash that's on their forehead or the, the, the rash and inflammation that appears to be 
throughout their eyelids and eyebrows. And they're going to say something like, oh yes, I've had that for years. And they, they have it completely discounted. They're not looking at the fact that this rash or this inflammation that you're seeing in them has anything to do with anything because it's been there for X amount of time. Therefore, it's normal and not important. Where your viewpoint in looking at it would be, well, here is, a, here is something that's abnormal. It's obviously not normal for people to have areas of inflammation like this. So something must be causing that. And the same thing that's causing that may be involved in what's causing your chronic sinus condition. So when you're used to thinking in this matter, it makes it much easier for you to be able to tolerate how others may think or the lag of time it may take others to catch up on what you already know. Most of you listening to this broadcast, I think this may even be our 50th podcast now, um, most of you listening are probably experts at this point uh, in time in Candida. I know that uh, several of you have listened to every one of the podcasts. I've, uh, I've, I've heard that from in emails and when I've spoken to some of the patients. Some of them have listened to every one, and I think some of them are on their, on their way to listen to each one multiple times. So you guys out there that are regular listeners are experts at this. Uh, compared even to most physicians whose knowledge is very inadequate, you guys are experts. So the amount of time and the amount of time that it takes, the amount of time going on in your mind when you consider these factors is much faster because of your knowledge and experience than your friends and family and even many of your physicians. So this is something to please keep in mind. Well, folks, that's going to bring us to the end of this podcast today. Tune in again next Friday when we will have another episode of the Candida Chronicles. And I'd also like to remind you that we are still on the lookout for the release date of the first book, The Candida Chronicles, written by Michael Biamonte, clinical nutritionist. The release date will be uh, mentioned on this broadcast and it will also appear on health-truth.com website. The book will be available on Amazon.com, and we will let you know as soon as we know when the book will be released. The other thing that I want to announce today, which is coming down the pipe, is health-truth.com. The website itself is going to be going under a complete new renovation. Uh, the website is going to be much more easy to navigate. It's going to have new additional features including a blog that everyone can participate in. And, of course, the podcast will continue on the website, and we will also let you know when the release date for the new website going live will be. Again, this is Michael Biamonte, clinical nutritionist. I wish you health. That's a wrap for this episode of the Candida Chronicles featuring Michael Biamonte, certified clinical nutritionist. Michael holds a doctorate of nutropathy, and is a New York State Certified Clinical Nutritionist. He is a professional member of the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists and of the American College of Nutrition, and he's a member of the Scientific Advisory Board for the Clinical Nutrition Certification Board. 
For more information on how Michael can help you, please visit healthtruth.com. That's health-truth.com. Or phone his office at 212-587-2330.